Hello, I'm Zev Neuwirth, and welcome to Creating New Healthcare, a podcast series for healthcare leaders who are interested in fresh perspectives, new ideas, and bold solutions in how to advance the creation of a customer-oriented value-based system of health. The views I expressed on this podcast are solely my own and do not represent the views of any other person or organization. Folks, our focus today is on the topic of digitally enabled healthcare and a consumer-oriented approach to diabetes care and other chronic disease management. And I can't tell you how excited I am to have our guest on the show today, Dr. Jennifer Schneider, who is really one of the leaders in the country in this area. Dr. Schneider is the president of a company called Livongo. She previously served as the company's chief medical officer. She's also the author of a recently published book, Decoding Health Signals, Silicon Valley's Consumer-First Approach to a New Era of Health which explores how companies are using big data analytics and artificial intelligence to really reinvent care delivery for people with chronic conditions. Prior to her role at Livongo, Dr. Schneider held several leadership roles at Castlight Health, including, again, as its chief medical officer. Earlier in her career, she was a health outcomes researcher and has practiced medicine as an attending physician at Stanford University and Kaiser Permanente. Dr. Schneider has an undergraduate degree from the College of Holy Cross, a doctor of medicine degree from Johns Hopkins School of Medicine, and a master's of science degree in health services research from Stanford. She's a frequent speaker about healthcare innovation, where she shares her unique perspective as a practicing physician, health services researcher, healthcare executive, and as an individual herself who has lived with type 1 diabetes for more than 30 years. Jennifer, I know that's a long intro, but I am so glad we finally have the chance to talk uh, on this uh, podcast. How are you doing today? Thank you, Zev. I'm excited to get a chance to connect, and thanks for the opportunity. Really excited to be, at, be able to have it in conversation. I've been uh, researching you and reading up a bit uh, about Livongo and uh, just so excited about what you have been doing for years and, and what you all at Livongo are doing. So I want to jump in. Let's start with the problem. What What is wrong or missing in the way that we're currently taking care of people with diabetes or other chronic diseases? What's the problem here? Yeah, it's a great question. So for those of us with chronic conditions, the way we live our life drastically impacts what that how the outcomes are. And by way I live our life, I mean, do we take our medications? Do we sleep? Do we exercise? When we eat? What do we eat? How much do we eat? And those are those are decisions that are being made every day, multiple times a day outside the off walls of a doctor's office. And so this idea that the doctor or the um you know, healthcare provider is in charge is really erroneous. It's really the individual person living with that chronic condition. And great doctors understand that and work to motivate and cheerlead um, individual people with chronic conditions, not tell them what to do, but to truly understand their own ecosystem and set up um, infrastructures to remind them and encourage them to both understand what are the right decisions or optimal decisions, but then to actually go ahead and do them. So this idea that, you know, if you look across other industries, travel industry is a great one where we used to have to go buy travel tickets through a travel agent. And remember, you know, those travel agent shops on the streets, you know, kind of walking around town. But the whole industry made a bet that the individual person could actually do that job and flipped it. So the screen actually became available to individual people and empowered people 
that they knew what was best for them for travel based off of time, convenience, cost, all the other factors. So very similarly in the space of chronic conditions, we're making a bet on the individual, those of us living with a chronic condition, that we know, um, you know that if we have the right tools at the right time, that we can make that choices that are optimal for us to impact, influence and impact our outcomes. Yeah, it's it's always, uh, you know, I got trained like uh, like you in internal medicine and, uh, you know, the center of chronic disease management care or care in general is really episodic. It was in the doctor's office and, you know, people with diabetes would come with literally sheets of paper and recording and, and, and you know, scratching with a pen and pencil what their sugars were at various times a day and you would try to figure it out with them in a very short period of time and then, you know, you send them on, the, on their way and I think the world has changed, especially now that chronic disease is, is the number one reason for patient encounters and the number one cost in healthcare, and 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 it's growing. It's something like seventy-five to eighty percent of all the costs in healthcare around chronic disease management, and that number is just increasing. So, but it feels like it's it's really inverted that that we're beginning to realize that that the care of of people with chronic disease it's really up to the individuals and how they live their lives, as you were saying. And, and that all that happens, behavior, choices, decisions, all that happens outside of the office. And up till now, it just seems we've, we haven't had the knowledge capability to support people uh, in, in, in you know, really optimizing their own care, especially if they have a chronic disease like diabetes or hypertension. So I guess my question is, you know, how is what you are doing, what you've been developing, building at Livongo, how is that changing and reframing how we think about chronic disease and how we help people with that? Yeah. So again, the idea is just we've built with the philosophy around building for the individual member and rather than telling them what to do, empowering them. So giving them all the information um, and, un and understanding the information and the motivation to take action on that information at the real uh, right time so they can make their decisions. So, for example, when a member of diabetes checks their blood glucose value, let's say it's, um, you know, right now it's 10 a.m. for me. So this would be after breakfast. And let's say my blood glucose is 220. I'd get a message that says that blood glucose is high post breakfast. You have a couple options. You can take medication. You could try walking for 20 minutes and, and drink a couple glasses of, of, of water and then recheck your blood glucose. So it's this idea around giving that advice and that motivation right in the moment to help to help alter and change behavior. We do that with food. We do that with um, exercise. We do that with medication. We do that with stress and sleep. And so it's this real-time continuous feedback. And what we've built is this engine. We call it our AI AI engine. And it does, um, it aggregates data in the ecosystem, including all of our cellular connected devices. It then interprets that information. This is the, the clinicians next to the behavioral economist next to the data scientist. It then applies that information directly back into the member's life. So we meet the member where they are. We have a two-way cellular connected blood glucose meter. We can send messages via Apple, Fitbit, Samsung Watch, Alexa, HIPAA phone calls, text-based messages, again, meeting the member where they want to receive that information. And then we get smarter because we're continuously measuring that. So we've set up this ability to not only collect data in the ecosystem, understand what it means clinically, but that couple that with other data so we can truly influence and drive behavior. So the words we use are different, even if the clinical recommendation is the same for, for example, an 80-year-old gentleman in the Southeast compared to a, you know, a soccer mom in the PAC Northwest. 
right? So we're using and understanding individual people's preferences the same way that you, Zev, as a qualified internal medicine doc, understand how you motivate your patients when they're in your office. We're doing that digitally at scale. This uh, AI, AI, the aggregate, interpret, and apply and iterate. And for folks who are listening, I I would definitely recommend that you uh, take a look at the website. And, and if you really want to see some of the, the illustrations and pictorials, the graphics are really, really outstanding. And so I take my hat off to you guys for the work you've done there. And you call this, uh, this new category, you call this applied health signals, which I'd like to hear more about how you define that and what does that mean. But it seems to me that's the crux of the difference, that you're listening to the patient, you're pulling multiple databases, as you say, and I'd actually love to hear more specifically what databases, if I was a patient with diabetes and I signed up with Livongo, what are you looking at? What information 24-7 are you pulling? How are you aggregating and interpreting that? And then how do you exactly, how does that work? How does it feed back to me? And again, maybe you could uh, walk through that as a, as a person with diabetes. What are the tools I have at my hand? Who, who would be calling me or contacting me? How, how would you be working yourself into my life to help me optimize my care of, of diabetes? Yeah, it's a great question. So maybe I'll walk through again, just a couple of those pillars and then give a discrete example. So on that first A, that aggregate. So we get all of our real-time blood glucose scale, blood pressure data through our cellular connected devices, but we also get medical claims, pharmacy claims, we get social determinants of health, we get, we're integrated with the number of steps you take, so the Apple Health Kit, um, we understand some communication preferences about each individual member, so we're getting a lot of demographics, gender, where you live, what your age is, what your comorbidities are, so we're collecting a whole picture of the individual. We then interpret that. So again, we're asking ourselves a question out of everything we know about this individual, what is the next best action that would allow them to, to achieve their goals? And that goal might be weight loss. That goal might be, you know, um, uh, improved blood pressure. It might just be attending their daughter's wedding, right? So we have this ability to track and understand what those individuals' goals are. Um, given what the goal is, we then put together our knowledge about what is the best clinical action what is the best way to present that information to that particular individual to actually see behavioral outcomes? And so we're going to use the words that really matter to that individual, understand what really motivates it. It might be their grandkids. It might be their spouse. It might be their dog. It might be a new, it might be a new job. And then we're going to deliver that message to the individual person in a way that's really easy. So, for example, we do it directly, immediately, right back through the blood glucose meter. But some people really live, you know, on their cellular connected watches, right, or their, their smart watches, or really love to have a text-based message. Or some of our members really love to have the motivation around food, for example, shared with their family because they're not the food preparer, but for somebody else to help understand that. So we're meeting that member's needs where those are, and then we're iterating because we can directly follow back what exactly is happening. Did we improve the outcome that we set off to improve? Did we change the blood glucose value? Did we change the weight? Did we change the stress scale? We start to understand in our system what worked and what didn't. So every time a member interacts in our system, that flywheel goes faster and gets smarter. You know, I often liken it to, if you think about um, Amazon book recommendations now, if you're like me, you go on and you see a recommendation from Amazon about a book and you're almost kind of annoyed because you feel like they've gotten to know you so well that you actually need to go and read that book. And so our recommendations have increasing, you know, fidelity and ability to drive um, outcomes in a way that's 
been unprecedented for chronic condition management. And we know that, and I'll give you a second, we know that because we see, you know, our net promoter scores are in the high 60s, right, high, high 70s. We see clinical outcomes where we maintain and sustain A1C reduction, blood pressure reduction out for multiple years. And our clients are saving money because they're, the people on our platform are happier, they're using it, and they see clinical outcomes. Yeah, no, that's great. So what would I, let's say I'm an individual with with type two diabetes and let's say with high blood pressure, I've got the uh, finger stick machine, uh, blood sugar machine. And what would I, let's say I, I do have a Fitbit or, you know, kind of an Apple watch. What, how would you, how would you reach out to me? Would it be that, you know, when I uh, measure my blood glucose and, and I get a signal there from you, or do you just automatically send me messages and, and, I'm just kind of curious what, what, how, if I just, if I literally signed up today with Livongo as a patient, how would my life change? What, what would be happening? That's a great question. So, so if you sign up, you have diabetes and hypertension. The, you, the minute you checked your blood pressure, your blood glucose, you'll get a response back around what we know about you, what meds you're on, what a goal range for you is, and what actions you can take. It might be, hey, Zev, you're spot on, or Zev, you're a little, you're a little bit elevated. Here's some things you can try. So you get an immediate response. Then we're tracking and following those trends and those patterns so that once we notice um, certain trends or patterns, and it might be, again, Zev, you're doing great, you know, keep it up. Or Zev, you've checked three times a day. You only need to check once a day next week. Or Zev, it looks like your blood glucose values are really elevated and our suggestions haven't worked. Would you like to schedule a time with a coach to talk through and problem solve what that is? So it's, again, this this trends and pattern analysis that will allow you to schedule time with the coach. We have some challenges to help address what those are. Zev, we've noticed you haven't checked your blood glucose in the morning ever. Would you like to start a five-day challenge? And, you know, here's a reward um, or recognition for that challenge if you do that. Checking blood glucose values in the morning is important because it allows us to see what your overnight control has been like. So there's, there's both the immediate response to the acute value, and then there's the look at the longitudinal trend um, that to help drive those behavior change for people. And is this automated? You know, I imagine that all this data that you're collecting is going through some sort of software program. It sounds like it's, it's, there's machine learning involved. So the, the machine, the software is learning me, studying me, you know, putting all that data combined with all this other stuff or, or that you're getting, this, uh, these other databases, you're, you know a lot about me. So I know people still are, are a little creeped out by the amount of data that's out there about them. So how do you respond to that question? Because I'm sure you get it. You know, what, what data are you actually collecting about me and what do you know about me and what are you doing with that data? So how do you respond to that? Yeah, so the first, the first response is, you know, we are SOC 2 certified, HIPAA secure. We don't sell our data. Our, we leverage our data to drive behavioral outcomes. That's how we monetize it. We're not off-selling it to anybody else. There's none of that. Like, we understand that that's very personal data, and we've set up a very secure environment for that. That's, that's the first. The second is that, you know, what we offer is suggestions um, to individual people and to make them ensure that we're not, we're not telling them what to do, ensure that we're not uh, making them feel like they're being quote unquote watched, but rather empowered. So if you just think the, take, take the experience of someone with a chronic condition and you, you gave a great example, right? I've lived with type one diabetes for, you know, a long time, a long time, 30 plus years. 
And you, you get asked to write down the data. You show up at your doctor and they ask you what happened like four months ago on a random Tuesday when your blood glucose was 350. And you're like, I, I have no idea. I can't even remember what I had for breakfast yesterday, let alone four months ago, right? So this idea that um, like you're actually doing something to, to, to help control your condition, but no one's leveraging or using the data to, to make things further is pretty frustrating as an individual, right? So this, the flip is that now for the first time when people are giving us their data around their condition, we're giving them something back out of value. We're adding value to the ecosystem. We're telling them, you know, this is, you may not remember, you know, if you have type two diabetes, you've seen your doc twice a year, you live in Kansas, you not even sure, like, what is the, what am I supposed to be two hours after eating lunch? What is the number that I'm supposed to be? I may not even remember. So there's this ongoing educational and value back as well as kind of the um, motivation around what to do next that is incredibly valuable for our, our um, individual members. Mm-hmm. And embedded in that is, uh, and you you were speaking about this, you know, almost kind of this uh, gamification, the kind of behavioral change thing. I mean, one is you're you're you know responding to me in real time, so it's not like you say there's no time lag. And what did you do, you know, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, or or even last week? But it's this is happening now, so there's that immediacy of the response, and so that's part of the behavior change. But you know, I know you've thought quite a bit about this issue of behavior change. And so what behavior change modalities or technologies are in there to, to really assist people, uh, nudge them to do the right things? Um, yeah, so there's, there's a bunch of different behavioral change theories, right, that we're understanding are working in different groups of people, right? So there's the, you know, some of this is an anchoring effect. Some of this is truly just leveraging the real-time data in a way that um, look, that drives behavior change. I think that the difference, because we've set up, and you mentioned this, we're on a machine learning, reinforcement learning platform, is that we have the closed-loop so- solution. So we start with a theory and we understand, does that actually work or not? And if it doesn't, then we change and we try something different. So it is the the difference is not there's a theory and then we're going to try to do it and you know some somewhere down the road understand whether or not it's working. We get real time feedback on an individual person multiple times every single day, right? And so the system is getting incredibly smart, and that's all built. So every time someone interacts with our system, they're getting digitally coached first, meaning there's a shot on goal to give them a message to help drive and sustain behavior change. And that is, uh, you know, really, truly what we've set up on that reinforcement learning platform. You know, people always say, like, machine learning, it's a buzzword. You know, you, your, your valuation goes up if you use it. And I say it's, it's, it's an incredibly valuable tool if you have enough people in a short enough circuit where you can actually measure and change the outcomes. And that's in chronic condition where you're measuring checkpoints multiple times. You're getting on the scale every day. You're checking your blood glucose, you know, five times a day. You have short circles so you can actually build it and leverage it to, ch- to change the behavior. This sounds very much like care that is much more personalized, much more customized, again, using some of the technology. You talk about that, you know, this idea that, and in fact, you say it in, in the title of your book, you write, this is Silicon Valley's consumer first approach. And what did you mean by consumer first specifically? And and you also, you, in your title, I was very curious, you, you call this the new era of healthcare. So I know I'm asking you to sort of step back a little bit, but how is this a consumer oriented approach? 
Yeah. So if you think about the other industries, right, the other industries didn't bet on the people in the industry. They bet on the individual users. We talked about travel. You think about what Google did for information. It didn't make online encyclopedias, you know, better, faster to produce. It actually flipped the table and gave the individual person sitting in their living room, in their kitchen, you know, immediate access to information. Um, Amazon, great example of a consumer, right? Like looking at the individual purchaser and building an ecosystem for that individual person. So this word consumer is often used. And the way I think about it is it's really just flipping the table. Healthcare ecosystem has traditionally been built for the healthcare ecosystem. Bigger hospital, more connected hospital, docs who can page each other, share information with each other versus Let's put the person, the consumer, the patient at the center and build an ecosystem that solves their pain points and allows them to be empowered to make decisions that will really, truly drive outcomes. And so when you think about consumer first, that in healthcare, that's the first time that we've been able to do it. And I do believe that this is a new era. And there's been a lot of talk about this. And healthcare as an industry is one of the lagging industries to really undergo this revolution where we're truly building a new experience for the user and, you know, mapping out the pain points, solving the pain points versus, you know, doing that for the industry that delivers the care. Again, it's the equivalent of building better, smarter systems for travel agents or just flipping the table and giving that that better, smarter system to the individual person to be able to manage their own travel. Oh, I think that's such a, a wonderful uh, analogy that you just uh, said. The, it really is, you know, we've been up till now building a industry where all the advances in technology and communication and it's really focused on helping the providers, the the travel agent, communicate better within their industry and be a better travel agent. And obviously, other industries like the travel industry have flipped that to really giving the consumer, the customer, the ability to interact and make choices and really customize what they want. And I think to your point, this, it seems like Livongo is is introducing that with others into healthcare. You know, as you say that, uh, one thing that comes to mind is how do you interact with traditional healthcare? With, let's say, you know, patients are being seen in a in a hospital system or healthcare system. Do you connect with the doctors there? And and I know you're also working with employees and employer health plans. And so, are there different ways that you, that you can work with patients depending on whether or not they have a doctor or whether they're not part they're part of a healthcare system? Yes. So so our business model, and then I'll talk about how we interact with the healthcare system. Our business model is we sell our services to people who are financially responsible for managing people with chronic conditions. Those include large self-insured employers, right, who, you know, contract with insurance companies, but actually are paying the, the total bill. They include insurance companies, um, for, for, uh, for their populations. And it also includes in some scenarios um, providers where they're held financially responsible under an accountable care organization. So those are the, the, the clients or the, the customers to whom we sell. When it comes to interacting with the healthcare ecosystem, we absolutely do. We think it's incredibly important to, to work back into the healthcare ecosystem. But we took a different approach. We didn't start within the healthcare ecosystem to work out. We start outside the healthcare ecosystem with the individual member, with that person, and work back in. So we're, we are integrated into a number of electronic health records. We have portals that existing clinicians and dietitians and certified diabetes educators and therapists can actually pull up so they can track and follow their members and their populations. 
And then most importantly, we allow that member to share their information in a health summary report with anybody in their ecosystem. That can include their doctor, their nurse, their dietitian. It can include their neighbor, their family member, their friend. But we put them at the center of that data distribution and have built the inroads to be able to share that with ease, literally from the touch of the button, either from your cell phone or from your blood glucose meter, directly to the, 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 the population of people whom are providing care for that individual. You mentioned your business model, and you mentioned that you, you're working with health plans who are taking the financial risk uh, for a population of patients, uh, and you work with health plans who are also, uh, I mean, with provider groups uh, or hospital systems that are taking so-called risk that are, again, responsible financially for the total cost of care. Why is it through that channel that you, you, you know, you've created your business model as opposed to, let's say, working with traditional fee-for-service? Curious how why that's important. Yeah, so I think that so if you think about the large self-insured employer, which is where we started, they have dual incentives. They need to manage the cost of their population the same way insurance companies do. But they also, when their population is healthy, they see productivity gains. And so we see a lot of innovation, you know, because of that dual reason to move and take care of that population. Uh, we see a lot of innovation in large self-insured employers. Certainly, insurance companies are very much focused on maintaining, you know, improving outcomes and maintaining costs. And so our ability to demonstrate that through our clinically validated peer-reviewed journal published articles showing A1C improvement, blood pressure improvement, and total cost of care reduction have really been of interest um, to the large self-insured employers. You think about a doc doing a fee-for-service, the incentive for the doc for fee-for-service is not really to improve long-term overall clinical care, nor to reduce you know, office visits. That's not really kind of what the fee-for-service world is meant to do. And those docs are not held accountable typically for either clinical, long-term clinical outcomes, and certainly not for cost reduction. And so um, as the model in healthcare starts to shift and docs, we are held accountable for, for clinical outcomes and for total cost of care. I think that incentives align. So where that's already starting to happen, for example, is in accountable care organization, organizations, then those, those providers are very much interested in our services. Yeah. So it really is an alignment of the payment and compensation with these uh, long-term outcomes in terms of uh, care outcomes as well as uh, cost outcomes. You know, you mentioned the issue of outcomes and you you alluded to peer-reviewed published articles on your outcomes. So I wonder if you could just share a little bit about what, what your experience is using Livongo. Yeah. So when we look at Livongo, we have um, we show a sustained uh, clinical improvement in hemoglobin A1C. Our population starts where the national average population starts, about eight as a hemoglobin A1C, seven below is normal. We hit that within three months across our population and sustain that out for three years. When we look at our, our population of people with um, hypertension, we improve systolic blood pressure by nearly 10 millimeter, point, 10, 10 millimeter mercury points, which is equivalent to starting a brand new medication. When we look at our um, behavioral health component, uh, we improve that those outcomes uh, and 55% of the people show a reduction in anxiety and depression as evidenced by a validated metric called DASH. And when we look at weight, we see a significant improvement um, of weight reduction over that population as well. And all of these have been able to be validated and published in academic peer-reviewed journal articles, 
which is a great, you know, independent third party validator. It's not marketing material, you know, as a physician and a, uh, someone who goes through medical school, it's not that easy to get things published uh, in journals, right? It requires a fair amount of sub substantive evidence um, and review from experts. Is the vast majority of your customers that you're serving that are using Livongo, is it, is it through these self-insured employers where again, the incentives are completely aligned, right? The employers want healthy employees uh, who who can you know come to work and work well because they feel well. Uh, they obviously the employers are are looking for uh, healthcare services that are effective and cost effective, and so uh, so it sounds like that's a that's a perfect fit, perfect alignment. The second one would be would be with uh, health plans, insurance companies. Uh, so, and, and then with the uh, ACOs or, or providers that are taking uh, risks and risk-based contracts. So I guess what I'm wondering is how many people are on Livongo right now? How many patients, how many organizations are you working with? And kind of what's the breakdown of, of who your primary, secondary customers are at this point? Yeah, it's a great question. So um, the uh, we have, you know, uh, over 200,000 member members of people with just diabetes in our diabetes platform alone. So we have huge numbers of of members. We have over 700. I can't remember the exact number. I think when we um, had our IPO was 720 clients. So huge number of, of, of clients. And while we started in the large self-insured employer markets, we've seen incredible traction both in the payer and the insurance companies, but also in government, um, you know, in labor unions and universities. And so there's a number of, of, of growing um, dim dimensions and domains that we've seen in, in uptick. And, you know, we continue to grow uh, year over year, both in terms of total member base and in terms of total clients. And those clients are diversified even more so now across the different industries. You know, the proof points that we've been able to have as, as established, we talked earlier about the large self, the journal publications has really opened the door for us in terms of being a tipping point for some of those uh, more actuarial driven organizations, such as insurance companies. You've spoken about and written about, and your chairman uh, and founder, Glenn Tolman, have, have also talked about this issue of the amount of noise there is in healthcare, the complexity, how hard it is to navigate, to know what to do. Um, and in fact, on your website, again, I think you guys did a great job with the website. You you actually have a, uh, a hashtag, hashtag silence noisy healthcare. So I'm wondering, you know, again, going back to the customer, the consumer, the patient, what do you think about this issue, this challenge of the noise in healthcare and the complexity and and how is this silencing the noise? Yeah, so that I think that there's this myth, we call it the myth of more, where it's like if you just had more things, you had more people do more things, gave them more apps, more meds, more toys, more devices, that they would then how magically get better. Um, and that's just not true. Like that's, that is, no, it's noisy healthcare, right? It's like, I, mean, I just want to know, all I want is to be able to know what I should be doing right now. And so what we've done is actually created a whole person approach. So we have today four different conditions on a single integrated member experience. So those are diabetes, hypertension, weight management, and behavioral health. So depression, anxiety, for example. And if you have any of those four, when you're on the Livongo platform, we optimize for you as a whole person, right? That might be, it might be talking about your blood glucose value, but it might not be. You may have elevated blood glucose, but we actually believe that focusing on depression and anxiety will actually improve your overall health care. So it's this integrated experience where what we're doing is at the individual member level is really giving 
each individual member the the how to be the their best self. What is that recommendation? And then how do we nudge them, encourage them around that to take action on that? That is, you know, again, silencing noisy healthcare. We're not asking people to do more. We're not asking people to swerve outside their lane and go do, you know, get information in an area where they're not, they don't want to get information or they don't typically get information. We're actually them to stay inside their lane and we're going to meet them where they are and just make things simpler. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, I'm curious what you think about this. I, as I talk to folks and listen to leaders across the country, there's this push to, you know, become digitally enabled and a lot of focus on the technology and it, again, it seems just like with electronic medical records that uh, providers have to use, uh, it seems that the technology actually adds a tremendous amount of complexity and complication and more time and more burden and more frustration. And, you know, what I hear you saying is that you're, you're adapting the technology to do the opposite, to make it simpler, easier, more convenient, less frustrating, less friction. And so is, is, that, is that what you're saying? Yeah, you know, and we have a saying that like to like talk about the data science or to talk about the technology is completely missing the point because as someone who's using it, you just care about the experience. You know, for example, if you use Lyft on your phone, like are you actually super interested in what algorithms they got to get the car there? Or do you just care that when they say it's two minutes, it's actually two minutes, right? And and so my my point is like there are, you know, you can talk about technology as a differentiator, but at the end of the day, you're building a, a, a a human first experience. And that's a lot of what the, what the, what my book talks about too. It's, you know, the technology is, is a way to get there, but um, you know, technology deployed perfectly is indistinguishable from magic. And that's what you're, you're creating. You're creating a magical experience for somebody as a user within that, within that product and that platform. That's, that's a great quote. I've, I've heard your chairman use that quote. Could you say that again? Cause I, I think it's just so critically important. Yeah, and it's Sir Arthur Clarke, and I, I may not get all the right words. You may want to double check on that, but it's it, it's something akin to technology deployed um, perfectly is indistinguishable from magic. That's that's great, and and I, that sounds like that's been a mantra for you and for Lavongo. How does payment work? Uh, is it a is it a per member per month? What ha- what does that work? What does that look like? It's a, it's, a, it's a per participant per month. So our clients only play, pay when they're met, when they're their employees or their their associates. We call them members when they're using our platform. So they we only get paid when our members are using it. Again, goes back to the design principle that we are designing an experience that people love, not like, because being liked is waiting to be displaced. Design an experience people love because if people don't use it and don't continue using it, it doesn't matter. So it is all about the experience. And so our revenue, we get paid when our members um, continue to use the the experience that we've designed and and built for them. Mm -hmm. You know, you you mentioned again, a couple of times now, this issue of human centered design, design experience, you know, the sort of patient journey or or person journey. You've been thinking about this, working on this for years. did you have to, and, 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 and do you still continue to design, look, sort of map out the journey and map out sort of what people's lives look like? Do you do this sort of ethnographic research? I'm, I know this is a little bit under the hood, a little bit geeky, and, and, but I'm just kind of very curious, you know, given your level of sophistication and where you are with this, uh, is that still something you do or did you do that in the past? No, it's an ongoing process. It's an ongoing and iterative process. So we, you know, start with something, understand 
spend a lot of time with um, users, spend a lot of time with people with chronic conditions and truly map out pain points. But as the ecosystem changes, as new devices come onto the scene, new medications, as the world of food and sleep and exercise changes, those pain points are, are different, right? And so we continue to map and then understand, is our solution really addressing the pain points that our members have? So we have a really active ongoing feedback, feedback loop. The other advantage, you know, advantage in terms of building the product, disadvantage in terms of our own um, overall healthcare costs is that a third of all of our employees live with a chronic condition, right? And then another third have a family member. So this is like, we eat our dog food, right? I mean, this is something that like I have type one diabetes. I use our machine. I've got active feedback. Our chief operating officer, you know, like he'll give us active feedback on his blood pressure readings. These are things that are happening in real time. And that does it, it when you're using, when you're actively using something that you're building, it becomes very real and very personal. Um, it also drives an incredible culture within our company in that we're very mission driven. Like we are here to make my life better, to make your our, our sons and our daughters and our husbands and our wives and our children's lives better. Like there's a real why as to what we're doing. And that impacts us on a personal level. And that's very, very different than kind of this, you know, divorced abstract thing around quote unquote users. Like the users are us, right? And so these things really matter to us. I was thinking that as well, that you, you probably use yourselves as well, but you do, it sounds like you actively go out and do this sort of qualitative research where you're, you're talking to people as you say, figuring out what are the pain points in people's journey in terms of taking care of themselves. Yes, very and very actively in an ongoing iterative basis. Do you have social scientists that you're working with or that you have on board or, or, or is this just you've been doing this for so long that you've just learned how to do this? We've got a whole team of design experts and social scientists and academicians and behavioral economists. We have a really cross-functional team, again, because there's not one approach here. There's multiple approaches that we continue to iterate on. What vision do you have for Livongo uh, in the next two, three years? Where, where do you see it going and growing? The, and so our goal is, again, to empower people with chronic conditions to live better and healthier lives. And so that means expanding across other chronic conditions, again, because most of our members have not just one, but they have multiple. So it's expanding to meet and cover their other needs. It's including, you know, depth of intervention so that we, if within any chronic condition and across chronic conditions, we can really drive and optimize those outcomes and continue to delight our members. That's really the goal of what we're doing. And so we are early on the journey in terms of the, you know, millions and millions of members with multiple chronic conditions across the world. We have done a great job in terms of proving a market traction and driving and delivering our outcomes, our net promoter score, our clinical outcomes and our financial return on investment. Um, and that is what we're committed to doing. So the the, the foot on the gas is, is just pushing harder. We see a great market opportunity and we're really excited that what we have has been working and believe that we'll only continue to get better as we move forward. Mm -hmm. And in, in terms of this market, this this new era that you talk about uh, in in your book, uh, uh, the use of, of, you know, the digital enablement and, and the signals and and the data and all that. Do you see other organizations, other companies? Is this a space that's filling up quickly? Is it still kind of an area for pioneers? How do you see this, the industry that you're in and the particular sector that you're in around chronic disease? Yeah, it's a great question. So we, you know, um, 
about a year ago, we launched uh, the nomenclature of a new category to describe how what we're doing is different. And that category is applied health signals. And in order to be an applied health signals company, it's really that AI, AI engine we talked about that drives deep personalization by aggregating data, interpreting it, applying it, and iterating it across multiple chronic conditions. And so we've seen a number of people, you know, this space is um, large. There's a huge need for what we're doing. Um, and we're excited that there are other people entering into this space. We have yet to see, I think, a company truly emerged as another applied health signal company and that they're looking across multiple chronic conditions with an integrated member experience, truly driven by data and personalization. But we're excited and believe that those are going to continue to come there's been a number of, of point solutions around one, one condition, for example, or a, a company that has a number of point solutions without the integration or without the data science to drive that. But we believe that, that what we're doing is you know, really pioneering. And a large reason to write the book was to invite more people to do this. There is a need for those of us with chronic conditions, and we believe that there is a big marketplace to be able to do that. And we want more people. We welcome competition. think competition makes everybody better. Right. No, that's a great point. Uh, you know, it's it's just, again, such a, a pleasure speaking to you. I think this is a new era. Uh, as you point out, it will clearly and is clearly helping people and patients. But I also think it's it's something that could really leverage providers as well and support providers in really improving the care uh, they can provide for patients. So, uh, again, I just take my hat off to you. It's, it's quite brilliant. And uh you know, it's uh, it's exciting. Any last comments, any sort of message you want to leave folks with uh, before we wrap up? Yeah, I think so for the opportunity. And I think first and foremost, like I couldn't be more excited and more proud of the work that our team has done in service to our members. Um, and as part of that, we've been able to grow a, a very healthy business. But I believe that this approach this applied health signal approach to treat the whole person and empower the whole person to make decisions is incredibly beneficial for those of us with chronic conditions. And I, you know, I, I love that we see the outcomes that we see. Um, I love that our members are truly feel empowered by the experience we've created. And we stay laser focused on member experience. You know, every time we have a town hall, we focus on a member story and what it has meant to the member to live the life the way that they've lived. You know, we hosted our first conference and had a panel of our active members because what we're doing is is um, truly revolutionizing and changing the experience for those of us with chronic conditions and couldn't be prouder um, of what our team has been able to do. Well, thank you for that. I, I'm not surprised that you're you're proud of the work. It's it really is it is tremendous. So I, I just for want to be mindful of your time and and. Uh, you know, Dr. Schneider, I just, you know, again, want to thank you for being part of creating new healthcare and uh, bringing us uh, radically fresh perspectives, new ideas, bold solutions in our quest to really advance, uh, you know, this consumer oriented value based and patient centric care. And as always, I want to thank our listeners and uh, participants out there who are doing the hard work each and every day of taking care of patients and those of you out there who are supporting those who are taking care of patients. It's, uh, it's hard work, um, and it's obviously critically important work for all of us. This is Zeb Newworth. You've been listening to Creating a New Healthcare. Until next time, be well.